0: Hello, friends and listeners of the LeaderCast podcast. This is Mo, the producer, jumping on really quick before this episode starts to let you know that we are going to be wrapping up season one of the podcast. The final episode in season one will be coming out on April 23rd. We are going to be coming back with an even better season two later this year. Stay tuned on our socials for updates as we know more. And thank you for being an avid listener. To have one on ones with everybody And understand what their leadership style is, meaning how do they want to be led and how do they want to be communicated with? Knowing that everybody, regardless of generation, everybody has a different style that they want to be and how they want to be managed. Everybody has a past. Everybody has things that are going to trigger them. So how can I understand them best as a person so I can lead them to the best of their abilities?
1: Welcome to the LeaderCast podcast. A weekly deep dive into the stories that transformed our guests into leaders worth following. I'm your host, Joe Boyd. If you've been enjoying the podcast, thank you so much for being a listener. One simple thing you can do to help us out is leave a review wherever you listen. Today's guest is Brooke Janicek. She is a fractional CMO. I wasn't sure what that meant, so I asked her and you'll find out too. You're going to love her story and the stuff that she's overcome in her own life and some great advice at the end about how to be a leader with a remote team. Brooke Janicek, welcome to LeaderCast podcast. Uh, super excited to have you today. Thanks for being here.
0: I am super excited to be here. Thank you.
1: I'm already jealous because you told me right before that you're traveling up California coast or something. So I'm, I'm here in beautiful Cincinnati still.
0: I am. This has been quite the journey this summer. So I'm excited to talk more about how I ended up here and how it's how it's going for me.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. So you are a fractional CMO. I think I might know what that phrase means but I've actually never heard it. So what 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 is a fractional CMO? What do you what do you do?
0: Yeah, that is a great question and you're not alone in wondering what that actually is. So any fractional executive is basically on call or on you know demand for your clients at a fraction of the time yeah. for a fraction of the cost. So I am a CMO for several different companies and able to provide them with the expertise, but they may not be able to pay the salary or the benefits that they want for a full-time CMO, but they get the expertise and leadership that they need.
1: Great. And uh, what's kind of the the big picture of your journey of how you got where you are today?
0: Yeah, the big picture is uh, 20 plus years of experience in marketing and advertising between agencies and the corporate world. And I took a pretty big leap and moved away from my home state of Nebraska in late 21. And I moved for a a brand new job. And the second that I got there in person, I knew that I had made a mistake. And it's pretty unfortunate uh, that I moved my entire life, but so many wonderful things have happened since. And as I was going through that journey, I kept saying to myself, okay, you can do this for six months. You can do this for a year. And I was sort of negotiating with myself how long I was going to be able to withstand this And about three months in, I thought, there's no way I can do this. I started becoming physically ill, mentally. Mm. It was so strenuous. So I decided I was going to resign and I didn't have a backup plan. My backup plan was I was going to spend the month of May enjoying my life and, you know, perhaps pick up a shift here or there, maybe bartending or being a barista. And the day that I resigned, the CEO said, oh, my gosh, you know, is there anything I can do to keep you? And I said, no, I'm sorry, there's not. And he said, well, what if I retained you as a contractor so you could finish out these projects? And all of a sudden, the light bulb went off for me and I thought, why can't I do this on my own? Why can't I be an entrepreneur who starts their own business, who is a fractional CMO for other companies? And the more I started telling people what I was doing, I started getting clients. And now 18 months later, here I am, <laughs> still running a very successful business.
1: Is I see you have a... Uh, capacity, uh, you don't have others CMOs under you, right? Like it's just you. So probably only so many companies you can work with at a time. I would assume.
0: Correct. Yes, I don't have others under me. Now there are models out there where they have several fractional CMOs on their bench that that a company could call in and hire. But for me, it's it's just me. I'm a solopreneur. I subcontract some things out like execution, but my max is about three clients. Because I want to be able to give them the time and dedication they deserve and what they're paying for.
1: I'm excited. Actually, uh, towards the end, I want to ask you some very specific leadership questions. Because most folks that we talk to have a team of five, 10, 5,000 people. Um, But a lot of people that listen to this podcast are solopreneurs who are just becoming better leaders themselves. So I think there's really some specific leadership, interesting differences in how you you work and how others do. But before then, uh, Nebraska, right? take me back to Nebraska. Uh, Everyone has an image of Nebraska that usually involves corn. So
0: (laughs) So I went to the University of Nebraska, two-time grad, and I entered pre-med. And I thought, okay, I'm going to continue to do this. I want (laughs) to be in the medical field and (laughs) did not do well in chemistry. Let's be honest. That was not (laughs) a fun time. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to sustain this. And so then I went into elementary education as a major And after one year and doing a practicum in a school, I thought this is not for me either. And I sort of felt lost. I thought, what am I going to do? I don't know what I want to be and was really struggling with that. And so I went to an advisor and she said, well, what do you like to do? And I said, well, I like to write and I feel like I'm creative. I said, I love coming up with ideas. So what job allows me to come up with ideas? And she said, what about advertising and marketing? And I had never thought of it or considered it as a career, and so I signed up for the Intro to Advertising class. It was two eighty one, and I took it and was just hooked. And so, ended up getting my degree in journalism, and then I went and uh, got my master's degree in marketing. So it was it took a little bit of time to get there, but I'm so glad that I'm here.
1: Uh, I've loved one of my favorite things about doing the podcast is seeing the themes I would have never predicted. And one of them is how many folks say that one person said one thing to them. And often it's even someone they never talk to again. Uh, mm-hmm. But just hearing that your advisor just asked the right question at the right time always makes me want want to be the sort of person that is present enough to ask that question, right? To, to, to kind of uh, really want to help someone in front of them. I, I don't know if you kept up with that advisor, but... Um, I yeah. did.
0: Yes. She was a professor. Her name's Nancy Mitchell. And um, I did keep up with her. And I know we all have this. Well, maybe not everybody, but I have this recurring dream uh, when I'm really stressed out that I have not finished school and I can't graduate. And she is always there. Say, you know, I'm always trying to call her. I'm always like in the admissions office saying, no, let me talk to Nancy. I want to talk to her. She knows. She knows I finished my classes. So she definitely had and left an impression on me.
1: That's funny. My recurring dream is college class. I forgot to go to all the classes and I have the final that day. Yes. So it's not, what
0: is that? It's weird, right? Why do we have that? Yeah.
1: I'm curious if, if if you put it in that sort of mythic language, did, did you have a season? Do you see where there was a dragon or some, some big obstacle standing in your way? Um, and if so, how, how you fought the dragon? I'm curious about that.
0: Yes. So I will tell you, A little bit about me. I love taking any sort of personality test there is out there. So the Enneagram, the Myers-Briggs predictive index, I've taken them all and everything always points to high achieving. And I really place value on what others think of me and what I've achieved. So what has stood in my way unfortunately has been that perception or that fear of what other people think of me and if I haven't achieved a certain status that my worth isn't, you know, there, which is unfortunate and that's something that I've, you know, been working on very hard yeah. especially in the last 5 years. But when I took this role, I was so excited. It was a title that I had been quote chasing throughout my career. It was a wonderful comp package and when i realized that it had been a mistake i should have left you know within the first 30 days but yeah. the fear of what everybody was going to think the fear that literally these are the thoughts in my head oh my gosh people are going to see my linkedin profile and see i stayed at this job for a month yeah. oh my gosh they're going to think that i failed oh my gosh people are going to laugh at me and say she couldn't handle leaving nebraska these are literally thoughts that i was telling myself and i was continuing to delay resigning because i was afraid of what other people thought. Yeah. And that is such a such a horrible thing that i know a lot of us struggle with and let's be honest nobody is looking that closely at my linkedin profile <laughs> nobody nobody is going to go and do the math and see oh she was only there 7 months and guess what there's a story there and people can ask me and i'm going to be honest about it and yeah. we left on really good terms and obviously the CEO offered to keep me on as a consultant. So I think the lesson that I really learned there is I need to trust myself sooner and push all the other obstacles out of the way that I can't control. What I can control is myself in that situation. And I needed to, I needed to remove myself and I should have done it sooner.
1: Developing world-class leaders in your community is now easier than ever with LeaderCast. In addition to our flagship May event, becoming a presenting partner allows you to stream multiple events per year, each with an opportunity to earn money. The new LeaderCast lets you invite 1 to 1,000 people with unlimited streaming opportunities. Check out more at LeaderCast.com or the link in our bio. a lot of self-awareness. You've obviously done some work on yourself to be that, to have that self-awareness. What's fascinating to me is I, uh, when I was snooping around and looking at your LinkedIn, you had a post like a month ago that was very vulnerable and honest, uh, about what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. And I wanted to ask you about that. If you, could you, uh, I don't expect you have it committed to memory, but could you talk a little bit about, do you know what the post I'm talking about?
0: I, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Could you about. tell yes. me just a
1: little bit about, maybe tell everyone what, what you said, and I'm curious why you posted it that day? Yes. Yeah.
0: So you are absolutely right. I have done a ton of work, and I'm happy to dive into exactly what I've done here in a moment, because that's also a great story. But I posted on LinkedIn, it was about a month ago, and it just went completely gangbusters about what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And I started out the post by saying, I'm sick and tired of seeing everybody talking about... Uh, you know, here's my path to success. I wake up at 4 a.m. and I take an ice bath and everything is great. And, you know, and then I meditate and then I do all this stuff and my day is great. And I was like, that is not how it goes as an entrepreneur. I wake up and I probably haven't slept very much that night because I'm constantly worried about where my next client is coming from. And, then I you know, record a podcast and then 15 minutes later, I'm doubting what I said in the podcast. And then <laughs> 20 minutes later, I get on a call with a potential client and they say yes. And then I'm on a high again. So I really equated it to this emotional roller coaster because yeah. I wanted people to know this is what it's really like and that they're not alone. And what has been really comforting for me on this journey has been that vulnerability, the the writing of things like that and putting it out there has been super cathartic for me. Mm-hmm. And the response has been overwhelming. People yeah. will send me private messages and say, this is exactly how I feel. Thank you for saying that. And I just want people to know that it's not going to be this easy road. I think sometimes the the perception is, and we see on social media, everybody saying, oh, you just you know decide to start your own business and you hustle and mm-hmm gratitude journal, this and all of that, which is fine. But for me, it's been really, really hard. And yeah. I want people to know that. Um, I want people to know the truth Yeah. and 30 year old Brooke would not have posted that. Yeah. You're right. You know, yeah. the, the perception of what people thought of me, I would have never written that yeah. two years ago.
1: Uh, yeah. And so this is a leadership podcast technically, right? So, le- so true mm-hmm. for leadership too. I think people, people uh, want to be a leader, The pattern goes something like, I really want to be a leader. I become a leader. I don't want to be a leader anymore. (laughs) And then then I become the leader I'm supposed to be because of all that work I have to do on myself. So Mm -hmm. uh, in some ways, this also accidentally becomes kind of a mental health podcast. So I I love when the conversations kind of turn to, to personal development. I'm curious what you said you did some specific work. I'm curious what that is.
0: I did. So I went to the Hoffman process in February of 2021. Um, not sure. Have you heard of the Hoffman process? I don't believe I've heard of it. Okay. So it is, uh, a very intense week long personal retreat is the best, best word I can use to describe it, where you turn in your phone, your laptop, you have no access to newspapers, TV, or radio. And it's a a small group. I was supposed to go in November of 2020, and they obviously moved me to the spring of 21. Normally, there's about 40 people in a group. Because of COVID, we were down to 16. And you go through this, what they call the cycle of transformation. So the first couple of days, you're in awareness, which means you're trying to recognize your patterns and why you are the way you are. Mm -hmm. And you are actually in quote, awareness hell, because all of a sudden you realize I am, I do this and you have to trace back where you did you learn that from. Yeah. So as children, we either adapt, adopt, or rebel against what we've learned from those who raise us. Yeah. So you go through this whole process of, okay, here's the patterns that I have. Here's who I've learned it from. And then you go into compassion. So you think about, okay, I learned this from my mom and I have compassion for her because she was once a child. Yeah, And then you also go into self-compassion. You go into expression. So you try and get all of this out. And so there's various techniques that they use. And I certainly don't want to give any of it away because if people are contemplating doing the Hoffman process, I want it to be their experience and not have any preconceived notions. And then you move into um, transformation. So how are you going to take all of these things that you've learned and apply them in everyday life? And the real work actually begins after you leave Hoffman. So you're right. I'm really aware of who I am now. And I've learned how to accept that and also to recognize when I go into a pattern and how to stop it. And that vulnerability has been something that I've wanted to express for a really long time. And it's who I am. I don't want to be, you know, an Enneagram three puts on a mask and they, they morph into whomever the crowd is that they're talking to or they're in a room with. I don't want to be that anymore. I want to show that this is who I really am and that I'm not putting on airs for you to like me.
1: Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that uh, for sure. I've heard, Either I don't. I might have just not known the name, but I had a friend that did that exact same process, so it's okay. probably the same thing. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. The um, so you should be their fractional CMO because I didn't know the name. And see, there you go. I got yes. you. Yes, I, got you I know. Right
0: there. I I uh, should. I should.
1: Uh, <laughs> I would
0: love to if you're all listening.
1: <laughs> I, w- I want to jump on to some practical things, but I do want to ask to kind of wrap that up if if you don't mind. Like, what? Sure. Are you able to kind of? Boil that whole process down for you personally to like kind of one sentence or one like what the main thing you feel like you took from it or learned. I'm sure there were multiple, but
0: oh my gosh, there were so many. I think there were so many profound moments. It was truly a life changing experience, and I don't say that lightly. Yeah. Um, but I think really. Every day now I'm striving to be my authentic self. And I know what that is. I know how to go inward and ask myself, how should I show up today? And even before hopping on this podcast, I did a quick meditation and asked myself, okay, what are you feeling and what do you need to do to be your mm. best self, yeah. you know, for the next hour? So um those are, you know, probably being my authentic self has been the most uh rewarding and profound experience. And that means something different for everybody. So you have to go inward to figure out what that means for you.
1: So good. I I would throw out this, like, I I know, uh, I don't know how much the Hoffman process costs, but I think sometimes people hear about programs and think, well, I'm just not in a place where I can afford it money-wise or maybe time-wise, right? And I always feel like the time when you can figure out, you have to for your own sanity. Uh, But there is great, uh, you know, there's it just always works if you can carve out time to to break the cycle of your life with some sort of guidance. So uh I would say even if even if you're in a place where you can't figure out how to do a a program that you get to travel for and all that stuff, you, there are books and workbooks you can read and and things you can do where you can take a weekend or take a whole week um unplug from your phone. I would just encourage those who are listening even if it, wherever you are to carve out before the end of the year, maybe like some time, uh, to do that. Cause it, it, um, a mentor used to always tell me that, uh, the reason people hate to be alone so much is you're, you're face to face with, uh, the person you avoid your whole life. All right. Enough, enough of me preaching. Uh, my, uh, my very practical question to you, this is going to apply to so many people, I feel like on both sides. So the way the world works now, almost every business leader has folks working for them. Um, obviously you have like partners and vendors and all sorts of things, but now in this world, almost, we almost always have teammates that are part-time remote, um, contractors versus salaried. And we, I feel like in the olden days, and I may have just made this up from like watching too many old movies, but it feels like everyone's set in the same room and they all wore ties and dresses. Uh, and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh Whenever you needed something, you just yelled somebody's name and they ran over. That was part of what it meant right. to, to be on a team. Teams are not like that anymore. And now you are living the life uh, where you are on teams, but you're not around all the time. Um, I'm curious. Uh, I'll start with this question. How do you enjoy being led yourself um, in that format? Because uh, you don't have the, the, quote, luxury of being in the office five days a week with, with everyone. Have you just noticed as someone who's on a team and you're being led, what are some good practices of of leading those kind of hybrid teams where people aren't around all the time? Does that make sense?
0: Yes, The question. Does. Okay. Yes. So I this is the first time that I haven't been on a team or led a team. So throughout mm. my career, I've always been in a position where I had the opportunities to lead teams. At one point, I led a team of 20 and have been able to take learnings from each role in my career and now apply them to what I'm experiencing right now. And there's two things that come to mind. One, no matter what, either in a leadership role or even as I determine which clients I want to work with, I need to make sure that the people I surround myself with align with my values. Mm -hmm. So any vendor or subcontractor that I bring into my business has to align with my values because it's a representation of my brand, but also I want to be working with them and being on the same page with what we believe in is super important to me. And so I, I make it a a point to ask some questions ahead of time and and to know if they're going to align and work with me. And the other thing is, being a solopreneur and an extrovert, it's been very hard for me to be remote and working and not have anybody that I can just literally go down the hall and ask mm-hmm. a question to. So I have had to go out and find other fractional CMOs and f- form our own little cohorts. Okay. And so I'm part of this amazing group of women that we meet once a month. And we have a Slack channel and we share ideas back and forth. And it's been so incredibly rewarding to say, hey, I have this proposal I'm sending out. Can someone just look at it to make sure I didn't miss something? Or what should I charge for this? So it's kind of nice now. You had to go out and find it. I had to go out and find it. But now that I've found it, I feel like I do have a team again. We're all just independent contractors working towards the same goal. There's plenty of business to go around. So there's no competitive, like I'm not, you know, I'm going to gatekeep and not tell you what I'm doing because, there's plenty to go around. So, um, and they also align with my values. So yeah. it's been a win-win.
1: So last question, uh, you, you may, it strikes me, you might be a solopreneur the rest of your life. You probably found your thing here. Uh, but let's just say for some reason you end up leading a, a team of full-time people again. I'm curious with the experience you've had and the work you've done yourself personally, would you do anything different on day one or week one, with this new team than you might've done five or 10 years ago. I'm curious what your advice would be to folks that are stepping into that sort of situation.
0: One thing that I have always done when I've stepped into a leadership role is to have one-on-ones with everybody and understand what their leadership style is, meaning Mm -hmm. how do they want to be led and how do they want to be communicated with knowing that everybody, regardless of generation, Everybody has a different style that they want to be and how they want to be managed. And so an understanding, maybe asking them the question, who was the best manager you've ever had and who was the worst and tell me why kind of gives some insight into, yeah. you know, potentially what, you know, if they say, oh, this person um, was always, you know, asking me these questions. That actually is a, a red flag to me to be, okay, maybe this, you know, the person I'm going to manage doesn't provide a lot of detail. So I need to coach them on how to, yeah. you know, follow up right. or things like that. So I would do that, but I would also, there are three things that I like to evaluate team members on, and it's if they're humble, hungry, and smart, and it's mm-hmm. basic principles from a Patrick Lencioni book. Mm-hmm. And you can hire on this and you can evaluate on this and you can coach on these things. And when I say smart, I don't mean IQ, I mm-hmm. mean EQ. And that's the most important piece. And understanding uh, just who they are as a person is going to take you really far. Yeah. I just I don't know that I would do anything differently in this role now. I think I just know that everybody has a past. Everybody has things that are going to trigger them. So how can I understand them best as a person so I can lead them to the best of their abilities and my abilities as well?
1: Brooke, thank you so much. I'm so glad we found each other. We're friends now. It's official. Uh, yes. Enjoy the rest of your your trip in California. There may be some folks out there that are like woke up today just thinking, oh, if I could only find a fractional CMO. So uh, if, if folks want to connect with you, whether it's professionally or otherwise, what's the best way that, that people can find you?
0: Honestly, the best way is LinkedIn. I'm super active on LinkedIn. So you can find me, uh, Brooke Janasek, And I have a little like sprout emoji next to my name. So, you know, you found the right one if you find that one.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. We'll be in touch again, I'm sure soon. Thanks for being a part of LeaderCast now.
0: Yes, thank you very
1: much. In today's ultra competitive job market, top tier talent are leaving companies in search of top tier professional development. Now more than ever, you must invest in your emerging leaders. LeaderCast 365 is a world-class professional development system featuring access to three annual LeaderCast events, a post-event journey to activate the inspiration and insights gained from LeaderCast events, plug-and-play lunch-and-learn programs with group discussion questions, concise video courses to address weaknesses and build upon strengths, and our library of more than 1,200 short-form videos from a slate of industry experts organized into 16 key professional development categories. Invest in your all-star employees and attract new top talent to join them with LeaderCast 365.